Hello, and welcome to Bangers, a video game podcast where we talk about games in which you shoot things. In Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf, the sacred river, ran through caverns measureless to man, down to a sunless sea. So five miles of fertile ground, with walls and towers, were girdled round. And there were gardens bright with sinuous rills, where blossomed many an incense-bearing tree. And here were forests, ancient as the hills, enfolding sunny spots of greenery. Xanadu, Olivia Newton-John, or Jeff Lynn, which is the best version? I don't really... not really my thing, either of them. Mm? Which came first? Go by seniority. Olivia Newton-John for the film that she starred in, but it was written by Jeff Lynn, and then it was later recorded, re-recorded by Jeff Lynn. I think it's an absolute banger. I think it's amazing. I... <laughs> I'd honestly never heard it before until, like, I, I looked it up for this, because when you search Spirits of Xanadu, Xanadu, the song and the film, comes up. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> Xanadu. This week we are doing Spirits of Xanadu, which is a 2015 game developed by Good Morning Commander and published by Night Dive Studios. Night Dive Studios are an interesting one because they, their modus operandi is to take old games and make them available again. Um, hmm. They're currently in a bit of a legal battle over the System Shock franchise and trying to remake the first System Shock. It's funny you mention that. Oh, yeah? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, this game really, really wants to be System Shock. I, I don't know whether it wants to be. I think it's influenced by System Shock. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's fair. So before we get into that, how did you play Spirits of Xanadu? I played this game on Windows using Steam. I played this game on Mac OS. I got it from Humble Bundle. I tried to play the standalone version from Humble, from Humble Bundle. And it crashed after every 30 seconds of gameplay. I put it on Steam and the performance was much better. But I do have to say I had frame drops throughout the game. These frame drops didn't persist on Windows or Linux. I checked on both. But for some reason, my my Mac Mini is really powerful. It should have no problem running this game. But it did. So, there. Maybe don't play this on Mac OS. It's also available on itch.io. Yeah. Um, which is funny to mention because it does feel like a, an itch.io game. Oh, Speaking man. of someone who sometimes goes on itch.io to see what weird things I can find. Are you saying that in a derogatory way? No, I quite like itch.io okay. games. Okay. Zanadu. So what is it? What is Spirits of Xanadu? 
Spirits of Xanadu is a game where you investigate a spaceship. It's a space derelict sci-fi story, which just sort of happens to have first-person shooter elements. Yeah, it's kind of like a first-person sort of shooter, maybe a massive sim adventure game. I think let's be mean first, and then we can be nice after we've been mean. Okay, I think this is setting the tone. I don't think I have much to be mean about. Are you going to be mean? Yeah, I'm going to be a bit mean. Normally I'm the bastard. You're, you're, <laughs> you're usually like reserved and cool-headed. <laughs> so um, I don't think this game would should have been a shooter. I think this game would have been better if it was just a walking simulator. Okay. Um, should we Before we get into that, should we set up the premise of what's happening? Okay. Spirits of Xanadu is a game where you are sent, you're an engineer and you are sent to the Xanadu, which is a ship, spaceship, uh, it's lost in space, the crew haven't been communicative and you have been sent to bring them back, to bring them back to Earth. When you arrive on the ship, you realise that things have gone a little bit awry there are security bots running around everywhere shooting you there is no sign of life from the three uh from the three crew members who are uh, the captain lucy Zhao, the science officer solomon agnew bonham stagdu <laughs> the engineering officer cornell johns there is no sign of them you're there to basically figure out what has happened the art style is very low poly uh, it's very simple very abstracted and yeah that's basically the premise of the game yep and james apparently doesn't like it well i like i like everything other than actually playing it <laughs> <laughs> oh no um i don't I don't think the enemies are ever fun. So this game this game does have first person shooting. You the first thing that you do when you leave your spaceship is pick up a gun. Um which I it does kind of frame the experience immediately. It's like, okay, I'm an engineer and now I'm picking up a gun immediately. And it's just I and mean, if this was the first gun in a a bigger arsenal of shooter guns it would be a pretty good pistol um but it's it never gets beyond that what is your problem with it being a first person shooter so from the offset it's got quite a good atmosphere when you first get off your landing pod you get out and there's like a, a person in a spacesuit who flashes before your eyes looking at you through a window and then you look again and they've disappeared. And there's these little kabuki masks all over that you look at them and then they go whoosh and disappear. So it's got quite a good sort of haunted house flavour. But then it's got these sort of 1970s Doctor Who style rubbish bin enemies <laughs> that are completely unthreatening. And the only way they're going to get you is through overwhelming you. And you've got these little buzzer enemies that are annoying. And then you've got these things that run at you and explode. 
and then the only enemy that actually managed to kill me, which is the turrets. Okay, so we have the the Daleks. These are the security bots. They um, they're kind of slow. They shoot you, and if you run around them, you can switch them off, which is nice. I never felt the need to do that. Okay, you have the little buzzer uh, droids, which um, fly around. They're like drones, and they zap you. Then you have the system shock enemies. Is it System Shock or System Shock 2? I don't know, let's just say System Shock. You have the System Shock enemies that run at you and explode. And then the turrets, which are... uh, They have a shield around them. You have to run around them and turn the shield off and then shoot at them. Zanadu. This game is very short. It's about three hours long. When you land on the ship, all the lights are off. You're basically told, okay... Find out what happened, get the power back on, that's it. And what unfolds is a, I wouldn't say horror, I don't think it goes so far as to say that it's a horror game, but there's definitely an unsettling atmosphere. You, When you're going up and down elevators, you'll see visions of people in spacesuits watching you. You might, if you turn and look down a corridor, you'll see someone in a spacesuit and then there will be a flash and that person will go away. It's a very unnerving atmosphere. Uh, the ship, the Xanadu, is tiny. Like It's reasonably small. You can navigate it in maybe about a couple of minutes. You can do the entire the entire level, the entire uh, thing that it's based on in about a couple of minutes. And I, I honestly didn't think that was necessarily a bad thing because it means, it means that the inevitable backtracking that you're going to do to find out like the answers to puzzles and things like that it, it just felt like the like part of the exploration experience and adding to that the fact that you move really quickly you can sprint forever which is massive bonus points for not having a stamina bar and you get to know the xanadu really quickly and it creates like this sense that this is like a lived-in environment that you you get to know it quite easily and i think because everything's low poly in the game, it's sort of like an abstraction of, of real world items, like a cigarette or a book. You can just accept that it's set dressing. It doesn't break your immersion. Like everything's really low poly, simple colours, but your immersion is never broken. Like saying like a an Elder Scrolls game where you've got a character that's got like three copies of the same book on the shelf, or in a photorealistic game where you have the exact same model duplicated dozens of times to populate an area. You just kind of accept the abstracted set dressing and the game achieves like this sense of environmental depth and uh, like maybe more so than games with a much bigger budget just by having everything solo poly, you can explore everything and they can dress this environment so well. I, I would agree that the environments are atmospheric and part of that is that when you initially go in they are completely dark so you've got a a flashlight and it it does feel quite oppressive to begin with it's interesting how the game looks so simple but for me it did achieve like quite a a good sense of tension the tension didn't come from the robots admittedly however i actually felt that the robots sort of diffused the tension for me because by the time I was like going into the crew quarters, I went to the crew quarters quite late because I got stuck on the 
the puzzle where you have to turn the fuse back on. Mm-hmm. I managed to miss the fuse in the drawer, so I ended up going to the what's it? The crew quarters quite late. But by the time I got to the crew quarters, it was oh, I'm shooting these robots because they're here and they're actually detracting from the the space mystery. Yeah, and it is worth noting that you can play this game in peaceful mode. So you don't yeah. even have to engage with the first-person shooting aspect. And I mean, aside from the um, the first-person shooting, what you're doing throughout the majority of this game is piecing together like what happened. You're piecing together puzzles and exploring. And things that you do to progress, they're not like bizarre game logic. You don't have to learn this world or anything like that. They just require you to think and use real-world reasoning. Like, I think the best example is the first puzzle I came across, which is turning the engine back on. Where you go into a room and the engine's saying, there is an obstruction. So you go around the engine and you've just got to take screwdri- screwdrivers out of cogs. Yeah, it's things like that are littered throughout the game. You just have to think. You just have to, it's very basic. Like you maybe have to do some basic mathematics. You maybe have to just use some some sense of real world logic. And it's really refreshing. And it makes a game that's like, it looks so simple. The game looks so simple. It's got such simple mechanics. But it seems like it has a lot of depth. It's, it's the Warren Spector School of Design. Small environment with depth. Which is kind of why I think it might qualify for an immersive sim. Um, maybe. We'll get to that later. The other thing this game is, is it's a character study. You don't really get anything from your character. Your character is a silent protagonist. and Pretty blank slate, yeah, never blank has to slate. talk to anyone. The real characters are the three crew members of the Xanadu who you will learn a lot about. The entire game, really, what it boils down to is it's a character exploration piece. You've got three characters who are fully realised, and throughout the game you trace their struggles, their personalities. It's I really enjoyed learning about each individual one of them and what they were about, what may have happened to them. What did you think? It really reminds me of... You know, like 1970s sci-fi films? Yeah. Where they don't really have a budget because sci-fi isn't a popular genre yet. There's not been a Star Wars quite yet. Mm-hmm. So, and they're all based off incredibly dense 1950s and 60s sci-fi novels which are basically about exploring speculative science and talking about maths so they're all doing a lot with what they've got and they want to try and avoid you looking at the fact that their their monster or their villain is dressed up in thrift store clothes (laughs) it relies a lot on kind of talking about the the characters and like what they want rather than the action yeah, the game the game does have a B movie feel to it. It definitely feels B movie. It's well, I mean, in its look, its look is very, very simplified. Did you did you get into the characters? Because I really did. I I sort of got into the characters. 
There's one audio log that really grabbed me. I didn't particularly remember much of Lucy Zhao's audio logs. Okay. She seemed like a no-nonsense businesswoman. Oh, she was really... I mean, there was a lot going on with Zhao. But there's one where... I think it's the one where Cornell is explaining how he's just done the space murder. Yes. That was quite... That, it was just a good performance to begin with, but it also it was like a... That's a freaky explanation. Yeah, all the voice... It's a freaky idea. Yeah, all the voice actors are fairly good. There's some duff lines, but it's it's all quite compelling. Um, The characters are all really well realised, in my opinion, at least. And, yeah, that's, that's the kind of crux of the game. The crux of the game is exploring what happened to these characters and finding out about them and what brought them to the Xanadu. You know, you've... You find out that one of the characters is an amateur film critic. One of the characters has basically been expelled from church. It's very compelling. And the things that you find out about them through small pieces of environmental design as well. They have different handwriting as well. So you can yeah. tell who's written a, a specific note. Yeah, which can come up and, and help you with certain puzzles. It got me into these characters. It's such a simple game and it doesn't do a lot, but it did make me want to find out more about these characters and their lives and what might have happened to them. That being said, it is also a first-person shooter with guns. Rooty tooty, point and shooty. James, what are the guns like in Spirits of Xanadu? <sighs> <laughs> Right, there's two guns. You only found one on your first playthrough. I found two. Oh, did you? I thought you had to go back for the one that was hiding in a vent. Oh, do you not know about the SMG? Oh, there's three. There's three guns. Oh. Yeah, so... So I... Obviously, you start off with a pistol. Mm -hmm. In my first playthrough of the game, I didn't find the shotgun, and it sounds like James didn't find the SMG. So what's the pistol like, James? Like, if the enemies were a bit better, and if it had a, a more fleshed-out arsenal, and maybe it was more a shooty shooter, it would be a pretty good starter pistol. Yeah? For the thing that you're relying on for the whole game, it doesn't quite carry three hours of gameplay. No, you can... you go pew-pew-pew with it, and then you can do a charge-up shot which just obliterates the enemy in front of you, so... I never freely felt the need to do that, though, because by the time I was like aimed it, I could have landed three or four shots and they'd be dead. Yeah, the enemies don't hit-scan you. They, um, you can just dodge their fire. So. Yeah. And then we have the SMG, which I'll talk about very quickly. It is basically just rapid-fire pistol shots. Uh, it makes things a lot easier. It's a hidden weapon. The oh, Both of the other weapons are hidden weapons. You have to go out and, and find them. At no point do you need them. No, at no point do you need them. So the SMG's fine. It, Yeah, it's absolutely fine. doesn't really feel very weighty. And then we have the shotgun. The shotgun's pretty decent, but it's quite short range, so I never had much use for it. Yeah, it does feel like a good shotgun, but you don't want anything to get close to you in this game. So everything needs to stay away. Go away, everything. Rooty tooty, point and shooty. The big spoilers here. These are the big spoilers. If you 
if you want to play Spirits of Xanadu, don't listen to this bit, because this is the big spoilers. So, you slowly find out through the audio logs that... And the, the notes and the clips, like clippings and stuff there's it's not just the audio logs they write about it too yes they write like mission reports and incident reports about it i love the detail on the incident reports at the bottom it says how useful was this report yeah you can really tell a lot about their individual characters of how useful the report was like cornell johns is like yes this was very useful i I like the bureaucracy of it and Solomon Agnew was like, six out of ten. I feel it could have been better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you get, you do get little insights to their character, which is nice. Just through absolutely every little bit of, of them in the environment. Yeah. So you find out what's been going on, James. What's happened to the Xanadu? So they're on a mission to a planet that... I think it's the one that you're hovering over in the splash screen, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And they picked up a thing that is like a, in their report, they refer to it as a big sphere, but if you come across it in gameplay, you'll probably find it as a bunch of shards on the floor. And the artifact has given them a space virus that has kind of slowly driven them mad. And I think it's implied that it gives the player character that as well. Yeah, you can go into the science bit, the laboratory, and scan yourself, and it says that you're infected. Or it comes up red, and someone has a... Solomon Agnew has written a note saying red means infected. And also there's just a bunch of sort of weird paranormal happenings of the type that the characters are describing happening to you. Like, you'll see the... The space ghosts standing around and you'll see the masks looking funny. Yeah, the kabuki masks are um, are bizarre. <laughs> they're a collectible, but they're also like part of the plot, which is a fairly good way to do collectibles. Do you know, this is a fun fact. I bought the exact same kabuki mask as that. I will post it on Twitter. I bought the exact same kabuki mask from um, Disney World, from the Epcot Centre, when I was a kid. This mask also appears in a Power Rangers episode, which I will say that I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I'll find it out and I'll say now. Okay, it was that Power Rangers episode. And <laughs> it, but it's the exact same mask. So is this like culturally, is this like a really well-known design for a Kabuki mask? or Or is it just first on google image search for kabuki mask maybe or did the developers either go to the epcot center or watch that power rangers episode which one was it Xanadu. there are three endings and like the guns i thought there were only two until you corrected me how do you achieve the how do you end this game james like what do you have actually have to do the first ending that i given what we've said in chat beforehand i don't think either of us got is you basically do your mission you get the spaceship running again and you take it back to Earth and you're given the Earth coordinates basically before you get off your landing pod. So what happens is when you get back to Earth, there's a little cutscene of the Xanadu arriving near Earth and it says mission successful and then it gives you the population of 1984? Is that when this game Three. is? 
This nice. game takes in place in 1983. Okay. No, it doesn't make sense. So it, oh, gi- well. it gives you the <laughs> it gives you the Earth's population for that and says for 1983 and says there were 4.5 billion casualties. Like 4.5 billion people have died. Bringing the Xanadu back to Earth destroys the planet. Basically, it it creates a a like a genocide. The second ending is i think the one we both got which is the ending where you have decided because all of the space ghosts and all of the audio logs and all of the notes have said this must not go back to earth fly it into the sun you've decided to fly it into a sun this is a a credit to the game and credit to the people playing it is the game doesn't explicitly say this is what you have to do. You piece this solution together yourself. Yes. So you, you you piece in, together... There are audio logs and there are notes. And there's a bunch of collectibles from a weird book. Yeah. Um, that you can sort of piece together that you should do this, how to do it, and what coordinates you need to put in. Yeah. It's, it doesn't hold your hand, doesn't tell you how, you've got to figure this one out on your own. And you fly into the sun, and it says, mission failed, but only four casualties. And to be fair, it doesn't really hold your hand with the Earth thing. If you weren't paying attention at the beginning of the game, then you will have no idea how to fly it back to Earth. And I think that's a credit to the game throughout. Like It doesn't hold your hand. It never It's never explicit about what you actually have to do. It tells you, but you have to think in real world logic. Like, okay, like if if the ship is if the ship is dark and it isn't working, I have to go to the engine room and try and figure out how to turn the engines back on. There is nothing in the game that says, "Oh, follow this quest marker to follow this quest marker," and it will tell you everything that you need to do. It, it doesn't bullet point a mission objective it's no you're here to fix the ship how would an engineer fix a ship i didn't even know that it had a um an inventory screen until uh, i accidentally clicked on it yeah <laughs> i thought you were meant to take like physical notes so i have like a page and a half of uh, i think i've moved that bit of that notebook somewhere so i can't wave it in front of the camera yeah i took physical I got, like a page and well. a half of uh like puzzle drawings and <laughs> like notes on people's notes. So what's the third ending, James? So I don't really understand how anyone <laughs> ever got this ending. So the third ending is the So if the first ending is like the um the event horizon ending if we're going for sci-fi films. Yeah. Or the blind sight ending. Yeah. For sci-fi novels. And the second ending is like the Dark Star 1. Yeah. Or um, the Alien ending. Uh-huh. This is the 2001 A Space Odyssey ending. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so you get this, I think you get this by... Um... Collecting all the kabuki masks. You have to get all the kabuki masks and you have to 
collect all of the kabuki masks without ever having set foot in the science room. <laughs> Which is, I mean, how would you know that? <laughs> yeah, and this this isn't something that the game would tell you. It's just someone has figured that out. Yeah, and then you sort of you see this scene where there's the three crew members of the Xanadu. And they're in this weird surface of a maybe like an alien planet or a state of consciousness or something, and it's yeah, it. I don't know. It's like moon magic or some shit. You've probably seen these three being space ghosts. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they're just standing there together, not being menacing this time. So that's it. Three endings, and to be honest with you. Once you know how to play this game, you can probably, aside from the kabuki masks, you could probably see at least two endings within around four hours total playtime. The thing that took the longest was working out the layout of the ship. And once you've got that down, you could probably complete the game and get an ending in about ten minutes. Yeah. Um, the game does the thing where it lets you put in the code even if you haven't actually discovered the code in-universe. Mm. So if you've taken notes, you don't actually have to go back to that note to open the door or to get the ending where you put the coordinates in. Xanadu! Is Spirits of Xanadu an immersive sim? Sort of, but not really. Sort of, but not really. Why do you say that? It's level design is very immersive sim, but it's gameplay isn't. So the way the level design is very immersive sim is that it's meant to feel like this is a a space that was used for something before you're using it as a video game level. So the way this manifests in Spirits of Xanadu is there's like a wreck area and it's got like an arcade machine and a foosball table and a sofa and a TV, and it feels like a shit office wreck area. It's got people's bedrooms, they feel like crap hotel rooms. It's got a kitchen, feels like a crap office kitchen. All the workrooms feel like workrooms. So the the spaces feel like lived-in spaces. I don't think the gameplay gets to the multiple routes sort of element of the bigger mainline immersive sims. But you can you can approach this game in like a multitude of ways. You don't necessarily have to do things in order, but you do have to do everything. It's not the same as, say, in System Shock. Actually, maybe System Shock isn't a great example because you stop being able to play it as a computer scientist about halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> so Deus Ex, you can play it sneaky or you can play it all guns blazing or you can play it somewhere between the two um, or you can just play it by upgrading your legs and running really really fast i think i agree i if this game maybe had a little bit more going for it then it might qualify however you will have to do the exact same thing on every run in order to complete this game you will have to do things You'll have to turn the engine on, you'll have to turn the power back on, and you'll have to collect the three nav computer bits. You can play this game stealthy if you want, but honestly, there isn't really a point, and in fact the game offers you a peaceful mode, so that combat is completely taken out of the equation. Um, 
there is no upgrade path. There is a convenience differentiation between the guns, and that's about it. This game is it, this game was influenced by Immersive Sims. This game is very System Shock, very very System Shock. However, it is not an Immersive Sim. I thought it might have been, but it is not. I would love to see what the the pair of people who made this game would do with a bit of a bigger budget and more time. Senator! James, did you like it? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You can't see this, but he did this face where <laughs> he didn't want to be mean, but he's going to be mean. I think I would have preferred this being more of a weird itch.io walking simulator rather than it doing shooting but not very well. Okay. <laughs> I liked the audio logs and I liked the atmosphere. But whenever I had to shoot a robot, it really took me out of the atmosphere. Did you like it? I did like it. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I I paid three ninety nine for this game, and I, it might be my game of the year so far. <laughs> I absolutely loved this game. I loved learning about the characters. I I loved that you get to know the Xanadu so intimately in such a short space of time. It is a really well thought out level it is a really well thought out space everything is abstracted down to weird details so you feel everything is really effective and and it affects you and i as a workplace i think the xanadu would drive you mad anyway i think it's some like horrible capitalist realism shit <laughs> it's definitely got it's, kind of it's like just a... like a really unpleasant workplace yeah it's like the nostromo it's like the nostromo from um alien you know it, it's it's built it's like the nostromo but somehow less cozy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i loved it i absolutely adored it and, and the thing is, it's like Devil Daggers. It's it is an experience distilled down into very stripped down elements, and it does it so well. I I really enjoyed this, and if you have a few hours to spare, if you're someone who only has a few hours to game, and you don't normally get to complete games, if you're someone who likes to think rather than be their hand be held, I couldn't recommend this more. It is. Beautiful. So what we've got from this is that I'm much more of a sucker for a Devil Dagger style game where you have to get into a zen space and shoot skulls. And you're much more of a sucker for games where people talk about stuff. Yeah, well, it's not even the talking about stuff. It's the... It's the looking at the looking at the cameras and analysing the environments before you go in, thinking about just the the ability to just think and again not hold your hand. Like I love that. And I know you're exactly the same. It's not to say you're not the exact same because you play far more cerebral games than I do, uh, as a strategy game fan. But I just I I enjoyed it so much, and in such a stripped down experience, such a short experience that I could digest um, very easily. It, this is a hidden gem. Like if you search for this, I don't even think this has got a Wikipedia page. If you search for this game, it is so hard yeah, to I find. Yeah, I had to go things. on the PC gaming wiki to get the basic stats for this up. Yeah, it's I I really enjoyed Spirits of Xanadu. I enjoyed it so much. Zanadu. 
But did it review well? Did it even review? <laughs> <laughs> I know um, it's on like um, Giant Bomb and uh, I'm pretty sure there's a Rock Paper Shotgun review. Spirits of Xanadu only has 215 reviews on Steam. As of, uh, so I'm on Metacritic. It has one critic review from Riot Pixels. Oh yeah, what's he saying? Spirits of Xanadu promises lots of cool things but never delivers. Oh, f- fuck that guy. <laughs> and one user review from Fart the Star? Oh my god, yes. Um, who really liked it. He gave it an 8. Yeah, brilliant. And he just summarises the plot. <laughs> so he, t- <laughs> he does what we do. Yeah. Oh, don't listen I to- consider to consider Spirits of Xanadu to be an excellent game. Don't listen to Fart the Star. We we do it much better. Um and it's got four four ratings on Metacritic. <laughs> so this is look, if you're if you're a bit of a hipster, this is ultimate hipster game right here. So you want to get on the ground floor of it. Yes, this is a good time. Or give these developers a job. Yeah, this is fantastic. Like 215 reviews on Steam, mostly positive. Anyone I've talked to about this in the industry either has no idea what I'm talking about and sprays me with water, so I go away, or they're like, yeah, oh my god, that game was so, so good. And the game is so, so good. I really enjoyed it, and it is a shame that no fucker played it, and it obviously hasn't sold well, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it's it's dirt cheap. It's four dollars ninety nine. I paid three pounds ninety nine for it. I'm sure James, you paid something similar, right? I paid about the same. Yeah, so it's sandwich price again, like just like Devil Daggers. Didn't sell. They sell fuck all, and it's so good. <laughs> so Good Morning Commander haven't made a game since Spirits of Xanadu. They have a game in the way it's called detective project but there isn't much else going on for them as i said this is a two-man team alan uh, trevette or trevetti and lee williams they um, obviously brilliant at what they do there are other good morning commander games out there i think if the ones uh, out there i think i played broken wizard which is like um a first person like shooter kind of roguelike sort of game they're obviously very talented. I'd love to see a new game from them. But obviously this game didn't do well for them. Or it just didn't set the world on fire. Which it never was going to anyway. It's so niche. It's a weird indie version of an already niche genre. Yeah, most certainly. Most certainly. Night Dive Studios go from strength to strength. They release quite a lot of uh, titles, older titles, to try and bring them into the modern era, to try and bring them into modern hands. They're currently trying to... Re- to Not reboot. They're currently trying to work on a remake of System Shock. More power to them, honestly. I, I wish them both all the best. I'd love to see another Good Morning Commander game. So what sausage do you think this is? I wish you had asked me that whilst I was drinking beer. 
It's gone round down the wrong pipe. Ah, what sausage is spirits of Xanadu? I've no fucking idea. <laughs> what sausage is it? Um, I have an answer, but I'm not sure you're going to like it. Right, so you've gone to Agent Carter the Butchers. Okay. Um, and Agent Carter isn't there. He's gone on holiday. Well, he deserves it. Um, and he's left, he's left like his apprentice, who's a bit weird. Mm. You've gone to order your your immersive sim sausage. Right. And the apprentice has made one that is not at all what you were expecting. And it's pretty good. And in about, in a few years of like perfecting this, it will be a brilliant sausage. But it's not quite there yet. I can see what you're saying. I think this is like a, it's like a little cocktail sausage, basically. It's like a cocktail version of something that is pure perfection. It's a cocktail version of something that is potentially, like, transcendent. But because it's in such a small quantity, yes, it's good and you get a flavour for it. But it's not quite a transcendent uh, experience. Also, one of the herbs doesn't quite mix. Yeah, one of the herbs probably doesn't quite mix. Basically, this isn't the full sausage. This is... And that's okay. Sometimes you don't need a full sausage. This is more of a uh, a churd. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Bangers. You can contact us at bangerspod on Twitter or bangerspodcast at gmail.com Bye! But oh, that deep romantic chasm which slanted down the green hill athwart a cedarn cover a savage place, as holy and enchanted as e'er beneath a waning moon was haunted by woman wailing for her demon lover. And from this chasm, with ceaseless turmoil seething, and if this earth in fast thick pants were breathing, a mighty fountain momentarily was forced, amid whose swift halt half-intermitted burst, huge fragments vaulted like rebounding hail, or chaffy grain beneath thresher's flail, and mid these dancing rocks at once and ever it flung up momently that sacred river, five miles meandering with mazy motion, through wood and dale and sacred the sacred river ran and then reached the caverns measureless to man, and sank in tumult to a lifeless ocean. And mid this tumult Kubla heard from far, ancestral voices prophesizing war. The shadow of the dome of pleasure floated midway on the waves, where was heard the mingled measure from the fountain and the caves. It was A miracle of rare device, a sunny pleasure dome with caves of ice. A damsel with a dulcimer, 
in a vision once I saw. It was an Abyssinian maid, and on her dulcimer she played, singing of Mount Abora. Could I revive within me her symphony and song? To such deep delight twould win me, that music with loud and long. I would build that dome in air, that sunny dome, those caves of ice, and who heard should see them there, and all should cry, Beware, beware, his flashing eyes, his floating hair, weave a circle round him thrice, and close your eyes with holy dread, for he on honey-dew hath fed, and drunk the milk of paradise. Zanadu. <laughs>